This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 48, our review of the recent press releases for Five Drugs in Development, plus, from the vault, a section from our Nash Tag 22 coverage considering different issues surrounding the trial designs and use of drug and diagnostic combinations. This conversation starts by wrapping up the Excel conversation and then goes into the one unsuccessful trial press release in the past few weeks, Intercept's announcement of discontinuation of the reverse trial in cirrhotic patients due to a failure for efficacy to separate from placebo. Stephen does point out that the analysis of the F3 Regenerate trial continues at FDA and that data from reverse might provide support for the Regenerate safety story. After a discussion that Louise Campbell stimulates about the value of simply halting progression for patients with cirrhosis, I do something virtually unprecedented in the history of this podcast. I suggest we don't need a closing question in favor of a simple statement that when Mazen Nouradine and Jorn Schrottenberg described this as a wow episode, I agree. Last week, I described Nash drug development as heading into an exciting time, which made this week's podcast what Mazen Nouradine and Jorn Schottenberg each described as a wow episode. We have all thirsted for legitimate good news for so long. These press releases suggest we might not have that much longer to wait. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Jorn Schottenberg. This is another oral, Stephen. As you mentioned, it's it's a mixture. So it's almost a combo drug. It, it Through its efficacy of multiple amino acids and signaling molecules, it addresses different pathways. I remember discussing it on the podcast, an abstract at ASLD, must be one or two years ago. And I was impressed with a garden variety of the pathways it addressed. And I called it a garden hosening effect, where you have like a, a broad activity of the drug. And I think that's something we're seeing here. We're seeing effects on fat. We're seeing effects on the non-invasive markers of inflammation. And as such, it's, again, an addition, potentially a very useful one to the armamentarium as we move ahead into the era of treating NASH with pharmacotherapy. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't, I, we just got in a hurry, so I didn't mention the safety and tolerability. So a very safe, very well-tolerated drug at this point. Some minimal GI tolerability issues, but seem to be well-balanced between groups relative to placebo. Stephen, simple question, how palatable is I'm mindful of the idea that there are drugs that you've mixed in this way that, for example, the cholestyramine resins that are really not easy for people to take, and there are others that are quite easy for people to take. So, yeah, this is nothing. This is and, nothing. And by the way, I've heard both described as like Tang. Yeah, this is nothing like that. Not yeah, not everybody's a fan of Tang, but most people can tolerate it. If this drug does continues to hold up well, and I think it will have a role to play in the treatment of Nash, and maybe they come out with a couple different options on taste. You know, maybe they have a couple different flavors or something. For people, but Louise, any question on that before we go on to reverse and out of here? No, I like this drug and I liked what it's saying, and the potential is certainly exciting. It just fills me with joy. Okay. Go ahead, Stephen. On to reverse. All right. Just recently, uh, today's October 3rd, on September 30th at 8 o'clock in the morning, we did get a, a press release from Intercept announcing the reverse phase three study of a beta-colic acid and compensated cirrhosis due to NASH. And unfortunately, it did not meet its primary endpoint. So just a little background, the reverse study was a study looking at patients with well-compensated cirrhosis due to NASH. And there were over 900 patients ran 
randomized to this treatment. And ultimately, they received uh, once daily oral OCA, 10 milligrams. There was also a group that received 10 milligrams titrated to 25 milligrams after three months. So it didn't meet its primary endpoint. I mean, we could go into the numbers, but you know, the placebo response rate was a, a very generous 10% or something like that. And the drug treated groups were something around 11%, 12%, uh, so uh, not significant. And then when we look at safety, I think that's maybe a take-home point from this that could be leveraged in the new drug application that they announced they're still planning on filing by the end of the year for the non-serotic population, the F2-3 population, based on the readout from the Regenerate trial. So we have safety in 916 subjects who took at least one dose of drug. And what they comment on is the treatment emergent adverse events and treatment emergent serious adverse events and deaths were balanced across all treatment groups in reverse with the most common side effect being pruritus. There's no surprise there. It's the most common reason for treatment discontinuation. I will note that there is a, a pre-specified point in the protocol where patients have to stop if they're having pruritus. So potentially that number is, is a little bit more elevated than what you would see in general practice, although that's a bit controversial. When we look at gallbladder-related events, they were balanced across the arms, consistent with a known mechanism of this class of drug. There were higher incidences of gallstones, however. I think at the end of the day, it's important to note that independent experts did review certain categories of safety events, and these events pertain to hepatic safety, cardiovascular safety, and renal safety. There was a numerical increase in the number of adjudicated hepatic safety events, but most were mild in severity and related to biochemical changes. There were no severe or fatal adjudicated hepatic events in any treatment arm. As far as kidneys go, frequency of adjudicated kidney events and adjudicated major cardiac adverse events were balanced across the treatment group. In summary, I certainly didn't necessarily expect this drug to have a positive histopathologic impact on the primary endpoint, which was regression of fibrosis by one stage in this tough-to-treat population. I am a bit encouraged by the safety data, however. Potentially, that has implications and read-through to the F2-3 population that they're seeking approval in. Let me just stop there and and get thoughts from from the group. Louise Campbell. I'm going to jump in here because this one interested me, given our conversations that we have regularly in stabilization of disease. And of course, this is the only trial that's been read out that actually is the cirrhotic population. There was some positive movement in Fibroscan, I believe. And I think you're right. An F1 improvement in this population is really, really hard. So maybe we are still addressing the wrong endpoint in this population. But I'd like to certainly have more information about did it stabilise? Did it improve some outcomes for that population? Did it reduce portal hypertension? Did it improve their quality of life? Because this is the population that's the biggest risk factor. And I think a CARO, from understanding, do have a, a phase 2B study symmetry, which is in biopsy-proven F4. So apart from that, there's no other of the ones we've read out today that are addressing the cirrhotic population. So I think it's a, a big hurdle to jump. And I think stabilisation and benefits we need to be looking at, not just it didn't meet its primary endpoint in this case. Mazen Nuruddin. Let me be a little bit reviewer number two and tougher on this situation, despite the fibroscan improvement. This is clearly a no-go drug for cirrhosis based on efficacy. Even if you have a fibroscan improvement, itching was up, I think, to high 50s, albeit what was mentioned in the selection of people stopping. But still, it's a, it's a lot of itching for me for a cirrhotic patient. I don't recall if they had also uh, more gold 
without our side effects if they were on the drug or not. And it did not meet primary efficacy, which was expected. Even their safety data compared to F2, F3 patients, uh, sure, it might help them. But at this point, with the amount of other positive results, I would advise them to go into combination therapy with this drug, even if they get approved, because the bar is much higher now. Jorn, you have anything? I was going to make one really quick comment, and then we'll go to close. My quick comment was going to be that this is not significant. Stephen pointed out on the Excel trial that there's a comparison between a group of 17 and 39%. That was also not statistically significant. That's entirely for those who are who are not cognizant statistics, that's entirely a power calculation based on sample. The difference between 9 and 11 not only isn't statistically significant, but it's not in any sense meaningful. 17 and 39 is meaningful. You just have to power up to prove it's right. I agree with Stephen and Mazen. We'll see, but they're gonna, I'm pretty confident there'll be better options pretty quickly. I think my final thought here is this is the largest cirrhosis study we've seen. It enrolled over 900 patients. That exceeds the Stella 4 study by a little bit. It's really been a tremendous effort. I mean, the important message is those patients are out there. I agree with Mazen that this is probably not the drug that's right for them. But for sure, we have to address them at one point. And it remains to be you know, a challenge to regress cirrhosis in a compensated patient. It's a big trial. And I think we'll learn more of it beyond the negative results. And they wrote in the press release that they plan to continue analysis to figure out what else they can glean from the patient population. Well, I mean, one thing we didn't hit on was, did they prevent progression of disease, which is very important. That's just more data that needs to be analyzed, but uh, more to come there. Maybe they have a positive impact in that regard. Yeah, I was going to say, in the category true confession, I don't think that there's a close on this conversation. I think the conversation is the close. Um, we Each of us have said, wow, at least once during the course of it. And it's going to just create an amazingly rich ASLD. And, and I think Stephen's right. It's been a banner month for Nash. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the recent NICE meeting evaluating use of ECTE in community settings in the UK. In the meantime, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.